Welcome to Hope Blooms, a podcast from the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. At EPLA, we seek to support women and families suffering early pregnancy loss by providing resources, education, and community. It is our vision that no one suffers miscarriage alone. Welcome back to Hope Blooms. I'm Maria Servold, president of the Early Pregnancy Loss Association, and with me is our director, Emily Carrington. In 2019, Emily spoke with Patty Budnick, Bereavement Care Manager for SHARE Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support. SHARE is a wonderful organization that provides physical and emotional support to families suffering loss across the country. In this episode, Patty and I discuss the needs of families after child loss and how SHARE seeks to address those needs. Hello, and welcome to the Hope Blooms podcast, a production of the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. Today, we have Patty Budnick, a special guest from SHARE Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support out of St. Charles, Missouri. We are looking forward to hearing her story and learning more about this great organization. Hello, Patty. It's so great to have you as a guest today. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. More thing. Could you please start by just introducing yourself to our listeners? Love to hear more about your background and what led you to working with SHARE. Well, I've been here for five years now. I started in the fall of 2013. Prior to that, I have been in the maternal health area for probably almost 20 years. I've worked labor and delivery as a nurse, NICU, special care nursery. So I've always been in this field, I guess, so to say. And I've always just worked at a hospital that had a shared chapter. So there was always a good bereavement program established where I was. And So when this position came available, um, I was interested because it was not necessarily a new program for SHARE, but it was new to have, I guess, a set staff member for this position. So when I was hired, I was the companion coordinator. So my, really my sole role was to help parents who have had a previous loss. They wanted to then volunteer and work with other families. So for SHARE, what we asked for our parents is that they were at least a year and a half to two years past their own personal loss. And then those parents attend our training and many of them wanted to be able to go into the hospitals and work with parents as they've had a new loss. Some of them just want to be able to help parents and support them in a meeting, a support group meeting, or phone support. So there's there was a big variety of what parents were already wanting to do. So this position just gave SHARE an opportunity to really advance that program further. And I will say like probably within the first month that I worked, we had um, parents into the hospital. And as a caregiver, it was really inspiring to see. As a nurse, I could be as caring and compassionate and give as much time as I possibly could to a family, especially those that were having a loss. But to see the dynamic between parents, working with other parents, it was just more than I could ever give Mm -hmm. as a bedside nurse. It was just very clear that there was an understanding and exchange of hope between those parents and an understanding of what they've been through. Um, And it was just very clear that that family, that parent, that companion was there to help support and volunteer their time to help that family. So it's just a different dynamic than it was as for me as a, a caring nurse that was there to provide their required care. So that really is what drove me to this position. I liked the fact that I could still be a little bit at the hospital, but that I'd be able to work with families still. And now, five years later, I still do some of that. But what we really have found is hospitals really, and bereavement programs, they really want to be able to have their own identity. And they have leaders that are 
very dedicated and they want their programs to be succeed to succeed and they want their families to be best served. So what seems to be working a lot for those facilities are to have those coordinators to really own their own program and their own companion program. So instead of them calling us to say that they need a companion, they have their own companion. So SHARE still provides them with free training for the parents, and then we kind of are there as a mentor to try to help them do whatever we can to be able to keep parents at the bedside if they're wanting that or to have parents available to help with their support groups um, and all of the aftercare support. And now my role at CHAIR, I still volunteer and serve as companion myself, but it's a lot of education. I do a lot of education and support for caregivers, not just here locally, but across the United States. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And, and you talked a bit about this, this companion program as well as the educational support. Can you talk a little more? CHAIR is a, seems like a very big, very active organization. Can you talk a little more about what CHAIR does, both you know, through national share as well, through, as well throughout the country? Um, well, for national share, we have what we call share chapters across the United States, and actually we have um, one in Canada as well. And what those share chapters do, we, we are basically providing them with resources that they can have to run their bereavement programs. When a share chapter sh- starts, they can come to our training that's included in that cost. And so we train their professionals to help them be able to best serve their fa- their families. And with that training, it includes not only like how to start their program or maintain their program, but it's a lot of information on grief support, supporting the family, the, all the different dynamics and types of loss that families can experience and all the ways to help serve the families, not just at the hospital, but also afterwards and the months and, you know, the following year to come. Um, so that's a big part of it for our chapters. And we have people that are not chapters also, like, that will use our grief support information. So we have numerous brochures and booklets on grief support that are specific for this area. So that's become something very helpful for our chapters and for other organizations as well. So that's something that, you know, we can, families can contact us online through our website or they can call our office and we can send those materials out to them. And we never charge anything to our families, to our parents for any of the support. We also then run an online support group. So we have three of those a month. So that's something that's helping nationally. So We have um, peer support groups sit down in our office, but then the online chats kind of enable us to help reach more of a national community. And what we have found on that is that a lot of people, they'll use it because they don't have anything in their area. They don't have Mm -hmm. a peer support group that they can go to, or they do, and they are going to a peer support group, but they're using this as kind of something to fill in in between those, you know, time span of a month between each meeting so they can still connect with other parents. And then we have online parent pages that, you know, Facebook pages that parents can connect with. And that's really kind of a popular thing just for parents to be able to connect and just say if they're having a bad day or if this is really a hard time and, you know, if this is their time of year, if they're, you know, angel date or an anniversary date. So those things are something that we always keep active also so that, you know, nationally those families can still connect. And we also have a Facebook page for specific for our chapter leaders. So for those that's become really helpful because they can kind of communicate to one another and run ideas and questions past one another. So then we have a chapter coordinator and she kind of monitors that and 
can keep giving them new information. Resources is a huge thing, which I'm sure you're aware of. It's so hard to keep up with and what's updated, what's still available and what's new. So we like to share that too with our chapters and keep that, um, you know, kind of an ongoing thing when we find some new resources. Wow, that's, that's great. That is so much work. The Early Pregnancy Loss Association actually includes your early pregnancy loss brochure in our educational resources that we provide awesome. to families. So we have, we've, it, we have found it to be very helpful. So we are responsible for a lot of that work. And how long has SHARE been serving women and families? SHARE just celebrated this past year their 40th anniversary. So we are heading into our 41st. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk specifically um, about early pregnancy loss for a little bit. And I just wondered, from your perspective as a medical professional and to share, and what you think the biggest challenge is for women and families suffering miscarriage, that early loss pre-20 weeks that may or may not be in a hospital? I think on the share side as a as a professional, the biggest challenge is the lack of awareness and acknowledgement, mm-hmm. not just from society, but sadly from family members and friends. I f- truly feel like unless somebody has been through it, they don't necessarily really understand how what the impact can be. So I think really the awareness factor is huge. On a personal side, as a parent who has had an early loss, I think... It's easier for us. I think it's just like almost an instinct that we are looking for that reason of why. And we, it's, I know for me, it was so easy to isolate myself because I couldn't find a reason of why this happened. And so then, you know, that blame has to go to me, you know, to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you're dealing with those type of things, plus then the fact that nobody else knew this baby or this baby never existed in some people's minds or eyes, you know, we're really setting up our, these families with an early loss to where they have such little support. So that is, I think, going to be the ongoing struggle for families who've had a miscarriage. Right. Well, and what are some of your recommendations on that for care providers, for support people, for loved ones to get through, to get through that both immediately and in the days and weeks and months and years that follow? Um, For caregivers, I really like to stress the importance of trying to determine what that meaning that baby and that pregnancy was for that family. Um, So that impact is going to be different for everybody. You know, we have families that deeply grieve when they've had a baby who they may have lost at 10 weeks. And then we have families that they move through that grief very fast and they may not have even attributed that, that to be a baby. They're thinking this more of a pregnancy and a pregnancy loss. So I think as a caregiver, it's really important to, you know, try to come from the parent's perspective and find out what what the meaning of this loss was to them and also be open-minded that, you know, that can change. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you might have one feeling and you feel like you're fine and then maybe you get pregnant three months later or maybe you are never able to get pregnant again and you might grieve that in a completely different way. So I think to just be aware and knowledgeable of what the impact of this could be is really important for caregivers. Right. right. And what are some of your recommendations? I know you just mentioned it's going to be so different and early pregnancy loss is different for every experience is different. But what are some of your recommendations for families that are suffering loss and they're struggling and they are looking for support, but they're having or they, or, or they know they need support, but they don't even know where to look. Where to look. What are your recommendations for families? 
I think that we are very much an online kind of community or society. So I think people are really like going online to try to find something that might work for them or some kind of support. So I, I really think that there is such a strong importance to having a peer to connect with. And if you don't have that, like right there in your neighborhood or in your home or in your community, then I think that there should be something online for you to be able to reach out to someone. And for us, it's not, you know, we could have somebody that would call us from, you know, we're in St. Charles, Missouri. We could have somebody call us from California, but we can offer them like, you know, do you want a parent to talk to? So then connecting them with one of our parent companions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you might have a close friend who's had a loss, but like that is not the support that you need or maybe their experience is different. So having somebody is really, really important. And sometimes it's, you know, you have a great supportive partner, but you might still need somebody outside of your home, you know, to have as a support. And then the other thing, you know, we have these great brochures and all this great grief support and we have, we know we have these great facilities and great caregivers that give those to families at the time of the loss. But families are really, you know, when you're experiencing that, you are completely like overwhelmed and often mm-hmm. in shock. So mm-hmm. you don't take any of that information in. You don't know what they've given you. So it's really common to, you know, hear from a family a week later and then, you know, they're saying that they don't have anything or weren't giving anything. So it might be circling back to that same family and giving in the same stuff that, you know, they did get already, but, you know, they're not ready for it at that time. So maybe, you know, sending that out again is that they, you know, is something that could be important. We always have, like, if parents come in for support groups, we always have all of our great support information, brochures and booklets out because maybe they've had it before, but they don't remember or, you know, they don't know where that's at. Sometimes having something to kind of look back at and, you know, to read is helpful. That's not everybody's thing, but I think you need to have like lots of options. Right, right. That is so good. We've talked a little bit about the support groups, and I'd like to talk more. These are all over the country. And what would someone expect if they're going to go to a share support group? Many of the share support groups are kind of an open session, so it's not like, you know, closed or six weeks or eight weeks. They're pretty much open to where families can come in. They are all moderated with, you know, a facilitator who, you know, generally has had training through SHARE. And I can tell for our meeting here at the office, it's a casual environment. The facilitator is available prior to the meeting. The families a lot of times will connect with her, you know, a week or two ahead of time to let them know she's coming. That's not a requirement or she gets here early. So for those new families, like they can connect with her. We always have two, so we have a co-facilitator, so especially it's helpful when you have that new family come in that, like, one of the facilitators can kind of talk with them and kind of help ease any of their their fears and answer any questions they may have, and then that other Mm -hmm. facilitator can always start the group if they needed to. And then for us, it's really generally a very, we try to have, like, a topic on hand that doesn't always turn out that that's what we talk about, because sometimes families come in and they have something that's pressing that that's kind of where the direction of the meeting goes. But we generally talk for a good solid hour to an hour and a half. And then we kind of generally like, you know, we go from 7 to 8.30 and 8.30, we try to make it a little bit more light and do a refreshment and kind of make it more of a just general conversation before we actually leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what has been your experience watching support group? How, do, how are they helping families and sort of and as they, as they go through loss? Sort of what are the results? 
I think the biggest thing families um, have said and come out with a support group is just that they're not alone in this. It's such an isolating experience, but then to see that other people have had this experience and where they're at in their grief and where they're at in their journey really makes a difference in when you're sitting there, especially like newly bereaved, you can see like, okay, I might be able to get through this. Um, these are things that other people have worked with or worked through. You can hear these tips and things. People like want to know, like, how do you return back to work? You know, mm-hmm. um, how to help you and your other children if you have other kids, how to get support from family members. So all of those little things, they can really, they re- relate better, kind of going back to that you know, example of when the companion came into the room, you know, like parents just really can connect much easier when it's just them as their peers. It's just a really easy dynamic for them. I will say as a facilitator of support groups, it's really important to be mindful for families that come into support group and they're new. It can be overwhelming to hear other people's stories. So we had an early loss peer support group in our office. And what we were finding is we would only have like maybe one or two people come. And so it wasn't a large group. We never would have a large amount of people that would, they wouldn't come back frequently. Um, A lot of them were still actively trying to get pregnant or they were going through infertility and they didn't know that they would get pregnant again. So it wasn't something ongoing that they were coming in for support. And those that did, they often had a true delivery experience and, you know, they may have delivered their baby at 16 or 17 weeks. So it was kind of helpful for them to go to a group with other parents who have actually delivered. So we we kind of moved that to where our support group here in the office is for any families who have had a loss. But it's very different when you go to that group and you've had a loss at 16, 17 weeks, and then you hear somebody's had a full-term loss at 40 weeks. You know, there's that, oh, my gosh, this could happen, you know, still, you know. So that's something to be very mindful of. So I know for our facilitator here at our office, you know, she really kind of talks that through and really likes to be able to talk to parents before they come in for the first time, you know, just to kind of like, you know, give them a little bit of a heads up on what to expect and and those type of things. And we always try to talk with new parents, you know, afterwards or, you know, when the meeting starts to slow down, we can kind of break apart and talk, you know, individually to people. And when those losses are, you know, considerably different at your meeting, you can kind of address those things, you know, individually with parents also. Right, right. Yes. You want to believe that there's a safe place that you finally get to and pregnancy will be easy going, but right. I know. And then once you've been through this, you realize like, oh my gosh, it's never, it's never going to be like that for me. I'm always going to be worried. Right. Right. And if someone's interested in a support group, if they're looking for one in their area, they can just visit your website, correct? Yes. That is a big project that we, over, we, work through every year we try to update that and then we do it ongoing throughout the year so if, you know people say that they've changed a meeting or they've added a meeting we try to add we will add that in of course to our database then but then annually we will go through and like update and you know actively call and you know check in with people to see if they're still active if they're still meeting or if there's any changes so going on there and saying finding a find support um, and then when you click find support it'll list out every state so you know, there's options there for anything that we know of, we will put there on that state's list. Great. And if someone is interested in becoming a support group leader, if either they feel like that's something they want to do or there's not support groups in their region, how do they move forward with that? 
They can also they can call our office or they can also go to the website and they're wanting to start a share chapter. Um, and even if they're not wanting to actually start it as a share chapter, they would still be welcomed, of course, to attend the training and like have the materials and, you know, we could educate them on like the things to look for and how to run an actual support group meeting. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much. This has been a really great conversation. Is there any other way that our listeners get more involved in the work of SHARE? Absolutely. At any time, if they wanted to go to our website, they can always request information um, as a professional or as a parent, can request to volunteer. Um, they can call our office for additional ideas or thoughts on how to connect with people in their area. So if you called from Florida and you were wanting to like try to find something to be able to volunteer or do in your state, we can try to connect them with other professionals that we know or caregivers in that area. Great. So there's always ways to be able to stay connected or get involved. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else you would like to add today? No, I don't think so. I appreciate your time, and we love the work that you're doing with your association. So Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful to talk to you. And, yeah, we were glad to have you. And thank right. listeners for listening to the Hope Blooms podcast, a production of the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hope Blooms, a podcast from the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. To learn more about how we and you can support women suffering early pregnancy loss, visit our website at miscarriagecare.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening.